Take your Bibles and, and turn to John chapter 21, okay? John chapter 21. We uh, have been in a, a long series where we as a church family have been journeying through the Gospel of John together, the book of John together. Uh, today, we, we, we wrap it up, okay? This is the last message in our series on John. I've told you uh, many times that John and Jesus were like best friends. They hung out together. They did life together. They would have had breakfast and lunch and dinner together. They would have hung out at the local coffee shop uh, together. I mean, they, they were really close friends. And when you read the, the Gospel of John or the book of John, you're reading an eyewitness account of the life of Jesus. In other words, John actually saw Jesus perform the miracles that he writes about. John actually heard the sermons that he, he writes about. They were friends. They hung out together. And it's been, um, it's been a, a, a great series. I, I put in your notes just a, kind of a little chapter title of each of the 21 chapters that we've looked at. Obviously, we looked at a whole lot more than just those little titles, but uh, it's been, it's really been a fascinating study. I keep all the emails that are sent to me, and you can imagine if you got 20 a week, I've got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of emails from uh, some of you just expressing how a message or the gospel of John has impacted your life, and in some cases, maybe your marriage, uh, your family. Uh, I'm thinking of one guy who told me how it impacted how he went about his job. And so uh, it's really been, been, been fantastic. Uh, chapter 19, if you look on your little note sheet, chapter 19 was the day that Jesus died. That was a Friday. Um, and then last weekend, we looked at chapter 20, and chapter 20 is Jesus walks out of the tomb. Chapter 20, you know, is the climax to the entire gospel of John, that Jesus walks out of the grave. I mean, this is the big moment. This is what John has been pointing to throughout the entire book of John, that Jesus was who he said he was. He was God, and he proves it when he walks out of the grave, okay? John chapter 20 is the mic drop moment of the book. Now, some of you that are older are going, what's the mic drop moment? Well, today, you'll have a singer who will sing a song, you know, and then what they do is when the concert's over, they just drop the mic and they walk off the stage, it's like, it's over. I can't add anything to this great concert I just did. Well, chapter 20 is the, is the, is the mic drop moment, if you will. So the question is, why is there chapter 21? What, what, what could possibly, you know, be more important than Jesus walking out of the tomb? What? I mean, the, the, the crescendos, Jesus is alive, he's risen, he's risen indeed, right? And, and yet we have chapter 21. What, what's it about? Well, let, let's read it together, okay? Look at 
John chapter 21, Jesus makes breakfast. Okay, look at verse one. It says, later Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. And this is how it happened. Remember, he's an eyewitness to this. John's gonna tell you exactly how it happened. He was there when this took place. Verse two, several of the disciples were there, Simon Peter, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. We'll come too, they all said. So they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night long. And as I read that over and over, again, I kept thinking to myself, man, I've had a lot of days like that. When you go out and you bust your hump, you try, you try, you try, and it seems like at the end of the day, did I really accomplish anything? Did, did, did anything really come this day? Verse four, at dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out, fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Then he said, hey, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll get some. So they did. And they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Then the disciple Jesus loved, that's John, said to Peter, it's the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that, it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, for he had stripped for work, and he jumped into the water, and he headed to the shore. The other stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded net to the shore. They were only about 100 yards from the shore. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them. Fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. Bring some of the fish you just caught, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went aboard and he dragged the net to the shore. And there were 153 large fish. And yet, the net had not torn. Verse 12. Now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Then Jesus served them the bread and the fish. This was the third time that Jesus had appeared to his disciples, to his disciples since they, he had been raised from the dead. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you, do you love me more than these? And I think he's pointing to the fish. I think, I think that's what the these were. Simon, do you love me more than these 153 fish? Do, do you love me more than what these fish represent? 153 fish to a fisherman, that, that's a lot of fish. You take those to the, you know, the farmer's market, man, you're, you're gonna make quite a bit of money on those fish. And that money's gonna, you know, give you the opportunity to buy clothes and buy homes and maybe buy a new boat or buy new nets or whatever it all represents. Hey, Peter, do you love me more than what all this represents? Hmm. Yes, Lord, Peter said, you, you, you know that I love you. 
then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Verse 18, I tell you the truth. When you were young, Peter, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. Then Jesus said, Peter, follow me. Peter turned around and saw behind them the disciple that Jesus loved. He saw John, the one who had leaned over to Jesus during supper and asked, Lord, who's gonna be the one that betrays you? And Peter asked Jesus, well, what about him, Lord? Jesus replied, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? That's for you, Peter. You just follow me. So the rumor spread among the community of believers that this disciple wouldn't die, talking about John. But that isn't what Jesus said at all. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? This disciple is the one who testifies to these events and has recorded them here. And we know that his account of these things is accurate. He's Once again, he's telling us, I'm an eyewitness to all of this, John says. And then verse 25, Jesus also did many other things. If they were all written down, I suppose the whole world could not contain the books that would be written. We'll stop right there, okay? So as I said earlier, chapter 20 is the climax of the book of John. Jesus walks out of the grave. And here in chapter 21, we see Jesus in his resurrected body. Okay, that, that, that's important to understand as you look at chapter 21. Jesus is now in his resurrected body. And there are two things that, that I want to point out. I wish I had the time maybe to get through all of them, but, but there are really two things that I want to point out that I think make chapter 21 super important and applicable to us today. Okay, number one. Jesus wants to have a, a close, intimate, personal relationship with you. Look at verse nine. When they got there, when they got to the beach, they found breakfast waiting for them. Fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. Bring some of the fish you've just caught, Jesus said. So Simon went aboard and dragged the, the net to shore. There were 153 large fish, and yet the net hadn't torn. Now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Then Jesus served them the bread and the fish. And this was the third time that Jesus had appeared to his disciples since he had been raised from the dead. Beloved, I think that that's really, really a, a, special, um, a special moment. Yes, 
Jesus has walked out of the grave. And now he's in his resurrected body. And here he is on the beach. He's got a little fire going. He's got some fish in there and some fresh bread. And he says to his guys, come on, guys. Come on over here. Let's have breakfast together. Let's eat together. Let's enjoy a meal together. I think, I think we learn something about how Jesus wants us to relate to him in that moment. You, you, you can see that this is a very intimate time. It's a very personable time. Jesus is saying to, to the guys, yes, I've walked out of the grave. I now have my resurrected body, but, but I still, I still want to have an intimate time with you. I still want us to have a a personal relationship. Think about it. Jesus is in his resurrected body and he makes a fire. There are some coals burning and he has some fish cooking on them. He has some fresh bread. There he is serving it to his guys. It's just incredible. I think it's one of the reasons why this chapter is included in the Bible. I think John wants us all to know that yes, Jesus was God. He proved it when he walked out of the grave. Yes, he has a new resurrected body, but he still wants to have an intimate, personal relationship with you. He wants to hang out with you. He he wants to have breakfast with you. Think about this. The resurrected Jesus was sitting around a fire with his guys, his disciples, He built the fire, he provided the food, he invited them to sit and enjoy a meal with him. Isn't that that special? Doesn't that do something in here? That Jesus just wanted to be with these guys. Now, After breakfast, he's got some weighty things that he wants to talk about. But those weighty things can wait. Breakfast was more important. I mean, he could have said, hey, guys, get in here, man. What are you doing out there fishing? People are dying and going to hell, man. We don't have time to goof off. Get in here. Let's get going. He didn't do that. Hey, guys, let's sit around and fellowship together. Let's just be together. Let's hang out together. Let's do life together. I don't know about you, but I, I just really, I just wrote in the, my little Bible here in the little side of my Bible. I just think that's really cool. Just a cool image to me. That, 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 by the way, that, that's a real relationship with, with, with Jesus. If I could wish only one thing for all of you, it would be that you would have this kind of relationship with Jesus. Where you could just meet him on a beach, have some fish and bread and hang out together. Just be together. 
Now, someone once shared this acrostic with me, and I don't remember who it was, but I really liked it, so I'm, I'm, I'm gonna share it with you. I, I wanna give you four things that'll help you have maybe a, a, a better or a real relationship with Jesus, okay, and it's an acrostic. And the first one is this, the R is recognize or, or remember his constant presence in your life. You see, here's the deal. I think it's easy to come to church on Sunday morning or Saturday night, and um, you come and this room is filled just with music that is sacred. There's great fellowship going on. Some of you haven't seen each other all week long, and man, we gather together, and man, hey, how you doing, man? It's just good to see friend, you know, friendships and, and, and build on those things. And then you make your way in here and the, and the music starts, the orchestra starts to play and man, now together we're actually singing these great sacred songs together. And then we have this moment where we give our, our gifts to the Lord together. We pray together. We, 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 we baptize, we have communion. We hear from God and his word. It's easy um, to come into a place like this and recognize his presence in our lives. I think you can go to our men's ministry and our women's ministries. I think you can go to CR. You can go to these places and you're there for an hour and a half and there's fellowship and there's, and there's music and, and there's all of this incredible God-honoring stuff going on and wow, you recognize his presence in your life. Our kids just came back from Hume Lake. My, my son was one of them. All my kids went to Hume. And here they are for, for a week, 24 hours a day, you know, they're walking around Hume Lake where there's verses, you know, chiseled into rocks, you know. They got trees with verses chiseled, you know, into them. They have chapels in the morning and chapels at night. There's all of these great spiritual conversations that, that go on. There's no TVs or, or radios. There's, there's none of that. And man, the kids come back from Hume Lake. And those of you that have had kids that have gone to Hume, they, they come back and for a week, they're Billy Graham. I mean... This is unbelievable. For a week, you know, they, I don't know, make their bed. You know, they're just, what? An alien got a hold of my kid at Hume. You know, they're actually like doing something. It's weird. And my, my son is the same way. Man, they've just been in the presence of God in such an incredible way. And then, I don't know, after a week, they get back down here and kids are watching TV again. They're listening to their crummy music or whatever it is and interfacing with reality down here. And, and they kind of go back to how they used to be, kind of. Some of you, man, you leave here and you don't even get out of the parking lot, right? And someone cuts you off and, man, you had a great experience in here with the Lord. You haven't, you haven't even been out of the building for 20, you know, 20 seconds and you're cussing somebody out, driving, yeah. Tuesday, Wednesday, you know, something happens. Here's the deal. It's easy to 
sense God's presence in a place like this. But, but here's the deal. Although we feel or sense his presence more in some places than other, his presence is just as real in our lives wherever we are. That's the truth. Remember what Jesus said in John chapter 14, if you, if you love me, obey my commandments, and I'll ask the Father, and he'll give you uh, the, another advocate. Some of your Bibles say, I don't know, counselor or comforter or the helper, who will never leave you, never leave you. Well, who is this counselor or comforter or advocate? He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. Jesus fulfilled that promise. He sent the Holy Spirit into your life, beloved. He's with you all the time. He will never leave you, never. You may sense his presence more at Hume Lake or more in a church service like this, more at, you know, the dwelling place on, on a Wednesday night. But the reality is he's a part of your life all the time. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Your body is where the Holy Spirit lives, who is in you, whom you've received from God. You're not your own. You're bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Galatians 2 says, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. You see, at the moment you gave your life to Jesus, if that was a genuine decision, if you truly surrendered your life over to him, the Bible says at that moment, God sends his spirit to live inside of you. He lives in here. And though you may sense or feel his presence in here on a Sunday morning or a Bible study or your home group or whatever it might be, the reality is, if you want to have a real relationship with him, you got to understand he's with you no matter what you do. Hey, if you're a truck driver and on Monday morning you get in your truck and you, you know, take a load down the 99 or the I-5, he's with you. If you're an attorney and you're going to try a case down at the courthouse on Monday, he's with you in that courthouse. Hey, Rob, when you go out to sell a home on Monday or Tuesday or whatever or show a home, he's with you in that process because he lives inside of you. If you're somebody who stays at home and, and you know, takes care of the house and you're ironing or whatever it is you're doing, he's with you as you iron or as you vacuum or, or whatever it is you do. He lives inside of you. His presence is there all the time. So number one, if you want to have a great relationship with Jesus or, or, or a real relationship with Jesus, recognize or remember his constant presence in your life. The second one, the E of, of, of our acrostic, is enjoy, actually enjoy spending time with Jesus. So here we have the disciples sitting around a campfire eating a meal with Jesus. Now, a lot of commentators, a lot of theologians go crazy trying to figure all this out. I mean, Jesus has made a fire, and he, he's actually cooking the fish, and he has all this fresh bread, and the disciples have some, some fish also, and they hang out together and actually eat together. What does all this mean? 
The commentators and theologians try to figure out the, the deep meaning to this campfire. Could it be that Jesus simply wanted to enjoy a meal with these guys? Could it be that Jesus simply wanted to spend time with his guys? Could it be, you know, be that Jesus simply wanted to enjoy a special moment with his best friends? Yes, Jesus is going to share some pretty weighty things after breakfast. But in my humble opinion, I just think Jesus wanted to enjoy this moment with these guys. Here's what I wrestled with this past week as I was looking at this. I spend way too much time focused on my spiritual growth. I spend way too much time focused on my ministry skills, going to conferences and reading books about whatever. I spend too much time striving to, to make a difference you know, for Jesus in the world. I spend way too much time in conversations that I have with Jesus that are about the problems in my life or my family's life or in your life or, or whatever. And I spend very little time sitting around a campfire with Jesus. Just enjoying his presence in my life. Now there's nothing wrong was studying, you know, the Bible. Don't misunderstand me. There's nothing wrong with trying to get better at whatever it is God's called you to do. There's nothing wrong with praying for your families and all those kinds of things. I just simply made a statement that I spend way too much time in all of those activities, which are good, and not enough just enjoying this moment. And if you want to have a real relationship with Jesus, you've got to recognize or remember he, he lives in you all the time. He's with you all the time, wherever you go, whatever you do. And you really have to make a, an effort to go, I, I want to enjoy his presence in my life. Now, some of you are thinking, wow, that, that sounds pretty strange, Rick. Uh, Jesus is in heaven and I'm down here on planet Earth. But that's not true. Remember the R. He's with you. He's with you all the time. Number three, if you want a real relationship with Jesus Christ, you also have to A, R-E-A, you have to accept his invitation to have breakfast. You've got to accept it. Now, beloved, there are basically three kinds of, of, of invitations in the world, okay? One kind of invitation to get you open it up, and you say to yourself, there's no way I'm going to that, man. That's the last place in the world I'm going. Come on. We've all gotten invitations like that, right? You open it up and go, no way. I'm sick that day. <laughs> or, or whatever. Right? You just, you're, not, you're not going. Second kind of invitation, you open it up, and you think to yourself, you know what? I'll go to that as long as there isn't something better that comes along. So before I RSVP this thing, I'm just going to wait a little bit to see if something better come, come, comes up, right? Number three, the third category is you open it up and you look at it and you say, man, there's no way I'm going to miss that. I'm going to be there for sure. 
I'm going to clear my calendar. I'm going to be there. I'm really looking forward to this. We've all received those kinds of invitations where maybe those thoughts have ran through our minds. Here's the deal. Every invitation from Jesus Christ needs to be in category three. Man, there's no way I'm going to miss that. Jesus said, hey, guys, come and let's, let's have breakfast together. Let's hang out together. Let's have an intimate time together. Could you imagine if one of them would have said, hey, listen, man, I, I'm busy. Hey, I've got I've to get to these fish. You know, if they're on the beach here, they'll go bad. They'll go, you know, I need to you know, get them all strung up. Or, you know, right now, I really can't do that. I, I'm kind of busy. I got something else going on. <laughs> Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 11. He said, come to me, all of you who are weary and you carry heavy burdens. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart. And you'll find rest for your souls. And one of the things that I have noticed over my three decades here is that a lot of believers don't take Jesus up on this invitation. They look for rest, soul rest, in so many other places. Drinking. If I can just numb my brain out, man. Pornography. Food. They just, they find ways to to, to, to get rest. Jesus says, hey, why, why don't you come to me? So let me do it. I'll give you rest. Let me, let me get practical here. How do you know if Jesus is inviting you to, to do something, Pastor? How, how do you know? How, how do you know if Jesus Christ is saying something to your heart and inviting you to do something? Well, let me, let me give you a thought. Anytime you have a desire to pray about something, that's an invitation from Jesus. Why don't you accept that? Ever had those moments? Maybe you're at home. Sometimes you wake up early in the morning, you know, and for whatever reason, you're up, and you go, man, what am I doing up? And you just sense, maybe I'm supposed to pray for my children or my grandkids. That's an invitation. Accept that. Spend time praying. Anytime you have a desire to do something good for a person, that's a pretty good chance that that's an invitation from the Lord. Treat others the way you'd want to be treated. Put other people's needs ahead of your own. Why don't you accept that invitation? Anytime you have a desire to read the word, That's an invitation from the Lord. Why don't you accept that? Instead of rushing off to the next thing or answering your phone or returning six emails or whatever it is, if you sense, you know, I need to spend time in the Word, just just do it. Put everything else away and accept that invitation. 
I think today in a modern day context, I could imagine people sitting around, you know, with Jesus and the fire and the fish and, oh, oh excuse me, Jesus, my, my phone, I gotta, I, I'll be right back. Could you imagine? And yet we all do it. We're all enjoying maybe a time in the word in the morning or at night. Phone goes off. Maybe you're in men's ministry and you're sitting around your table and something deep is going down. And all of a sudden, maybe you're in your home group this week. Just watch. Just see who's able to put their phones down and just enjoy fish and bread with the Lord. Amazing what, what, is, what goes on. Hey, look, anytime you have the desire to share the gospel with someone, I got the feeling that's an invitation from Jesus. Why don't you accept that? So if you want to have a real relationship with Jesus, one, you got to recognize his constant presence in your life, enjoy spending time with him, and, and actually accept his invitation to have breakfast. And last but not least, L. Look to his leadership in your life. Beloved, there's no way you can have a real relationship with Jesus without allowing him to be the leader of your life. It's impossible, because if he's not the leader of your life, then you really don't know who he is. And another word I could have used maybe is, you know, Lord. He's gotta be the Lord of your life, but I, I chose the word leadership because I think it's a better descriptive word. If you really want to have a real relationship, recognize his presence in your life, enjoy spending time with him, accept his invitation, but let me just tell you something, I think everything hinges on this one. He has to be the leader in your life. His will has to be primary in your life. Seeking his kingdom and his righteousness has to be number one in your life. The, the word of God has to be the lamp unto your feet, if you will. Because if he's not the leader in your life, if his will is not what's primary in your life, then the other things really ain't gonna matter that much. So recognize his presence, enjoy spending time with Jesus, accept his invitation to have breakfast, and look to his leadership in your life. Listen, don't settle for anything less than a real relationship with Jesus Christ. That's why he died. That's why he rose again. That's why he sent his Holy Spirit into your life. That you wouldn't have some sterile, you know, relationship with him. That you'd have a real relationship with him. Don't settle for anything less. So one of the reasons why John wrote John chapter 21 is so that we would all know that Jesus wants to have a, a real, personal, close relationship with you. And number two, and I, I had to get to this one. Number two is Jesus wants you to stay focused on God's will for your life. Something interesting is gonna happen after breakfast. After this intimate time of fellowship, Jesus is going to share some things with these guys. It's, it's going to get really heavy. Look at verse 18. Peter, I tell you the truth, when you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. But when you are old, 
You will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. Yee. But Jesus just simply looked at him and said, here's the deal, Peter, I just want you to follow me. That's my will for your life. You just follow me. And as best we know, Peter does die on a cross. His arms are gonna be stretched out and he's gonna die on a cross. But we're told that Peter said, hey, I'm not worthy to die like Jesus. And so they took that cross and put it upside down and that's how he died. But it goes on. Peter, remember, this is in real time. Hey, Peter, you just follow me. <laughs> Peter's just, he's just thank God for Peter because he's human. Peter turned around and saw behind him the disciple that Jesus loved. He turns and sees John, the one that leaned over to Jesus during supper and asked, Lord, who's gonna be the one that betrayed you? And Peter asked Jesus, what about him, Lord? You, get, you believe this guy? Jesus says, Peter, you follow me. Uh-huh. What about him? Well, what's his will, Lord? And Jesus replied, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? In other words, mind your own business, Peter. Why are you worried about that guy and what I want to do with that guy's life? Just focus on your own life. I want you to look at that question. What about him, Lord? That's a question that will absolutely ruin your walk with God. It's a faith killer. Peter is now spending time and energy and juice worried about what God wants to do with somebody else. Instead of just simply focusing on what God has told him to do, you just follow me. By the way, when you look at the life of Peter, this is something that he just... He just, it just got him into trouble all the time. Remember when Jesus called Peter to jump out of the boat, and he did, and, and then he took his eyes off of the Lord, and he put them on the storm, he put them on the circumstances of life. He began to sink. Peter got his eyes off Jesus and onto the success the disciples were having, and Jesus chastised him and said, get thee behind me, Satan. You're, you're, you're not thinking like God, but you're thinking like men. Peter got his eyes off Jesus and onto his fears, and, and then he denies Jesus three times in the courtyard. Remember that? When, when you get your eyes off of what God has for you and your life, and you begin to worry about what God's will is for everybody else, whew, it can seem kind of spiritual. Man, I, you know, I really, I really, Lonnie, man, I really care about you, Lonnie. I, I got a thought about what, Lord, what the Lord's will is for your life. 
even with our children, we're to train them up in the way that he wants them to go, not the way we want them to go. Beloved, this is one of the great temptations that you and I as believers will, will face when we get our eyes off of Jesus and onto other believers. Hey, how come you're letting that guy get away with it? You never let me get away with it, but that guy's getting away with it. That gal's getting away with something. I've tried to run my business in an ethical way, and, and I know that guy's a cheater, or he's a whatever, and how, how come he's prospering, Lord? What about that guy? Or, hey, hey, how come that guy's ministry's bigger or, 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 or better than, than my ministry? Man, I got more education than that guy's got. I've done it more, longer and, than, than that guy's done it. How come he's succeeding and I'm not? Here's the bottom line. Don't worry about God's will for others. Simply set aside time to hang out and be real with Jesus and focus on his will for your life. There's nothing wrong with sharing thoughts with others. There's nothing wrong with that. But we have to be really careful that we don't just start obsessing about what somebody else might be doing with their life. God has a will for your life. And I think you discover it when you just hang out with him and enjoy a meal with him. And he's got a will for your spouse's life. He's got a will for your children's life, your grandkids' lives. He's got a will for your parents' life. God is quite capable of um, sharing what that is with your spouse or with your kids or whatever it is. He's quite capable of doing that. Well, one of the things that, um, that you do whenever you, or what I do, uh, whenever I'm gonna go through a, a study like John, long before we ever got to John, I just would read it over and over again. Wasn't taking any notes. I wasn't trying to divide up the chapters or try to figure out what story we would focus on or wouldn't focus on. I literally sat at a fire, had some fish and some bread with the Lord and just enjoyed being with him. Wow. There was going to come a moment when all of a sudden you, you work hard to kind of lay it all out and, you know, figure out, you know, what the three points are going to be or whatever. And that, that's a lot of work. But I just enjoyed time at a fire pit with the Lord. This week I knew we were putting the capstone on the study and so I decided, okay, I'm just going to read through it again. I'm just going to spend some time at the fire pit. Just, just once again, just reading it. It's kind of neat that we put the Gospel of John in all of these shoes, you know, and it was just really, really rich, really rich just to, just to read it, just to spend time with him, with some fish and some bread. It's really, really great. And I want to encourage you in uh, the end of this month, we are going to begin really uh, another great study. We're going to go through the book of Job together. 
And uh, Pastor Lonnie and I and others have put a lot of time into laying this thing out. And man, we're, 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 it's what we're launching our series campus with, the book of Job. And we'll have a live, you know, preacher there, pre preacher here. We're going to have all of our small groups going through the book of Job together. I hear that our men's ministry is doing something in the book of Job. I mean, it's really going to be a, a, a great time. And so let me encourage you, because I've been doing this. I know Lonnie's been doing this. Why don't you take your Bible, turn your phone off and all that kind of stuff. Maybe you do it with your spouse. Maybe do it alone. And sit by a campfire, if you will, with Jesus, and just say, you know what, for the next hour, here's what I'm going to do. I don't know how far I'll get into the book of Job. I don't know. I'm just going to read it. No, I'm not going to study it. I'm not going to try to figure out, you know, what, what are Rick and Lonnie and Joel going to do with it. Just, just, just read it. And maybe read it over and over and over and over and over again. And that way, at the end of the month, when we launch this thing, man, you'll have spent a lot of time with the Lord around a fire pit, just enjoying his presence, building a real relationship with him. That, that, that's my, my challenge for, for all of you in, over in the venue. Okay, everybody stand up. Over in the venue, stand. Okay, let me pray. And so, Lord, thank you, God, for... Um, these 21 chapters that we have gone through, my life has been enriched because of them. Lord, I'm thankful for those that um, preached. And I, I, I had a chance to listen to what you had to say through them. My life was enriched when our other guys taught some of these chapters. Lord, um, I'm grateful that you had John record this for us. There was nobody closer to Jesus than John. And we had a chance just really through his eyes to see your life, Jesus. And oh, what a life it was. It was all lived out for us. You came and lived this wonderful life, this perfect, righteous, holy life for us. You died for us. You rose again for us. And you want to do life with us. You want us to be close. We're family members. Thank you, Jesus, for your goodness to us. And I pray this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and all of God's people said, amen. amen. Hey, Lord bless you. Okay, live for Christ.